You're listening to Off the Rock, On the Record, a podcast by Obsidian Public Relations. We're stretching this season out over the last couple months of the year, focusing on some of our favorite things like football season, Halloween, Thanksgiving, and all of the winter holidays. We're going to talk about some things that are related to communication, just general living, and a ton of fun. So thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy this episode of Off the Rock, On the Record. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to this episode of Off the Rock, On the Record. I'm Taylor Jolly, and we are wrapping this fall 2021 season by talking about PR predictions for 2022. Um, Christina and Kelly have joined me this morning, and so I'm going to open up the conversation by asking, what are your predictions for PR and communication next year? Kelly, I'll start with you. Hey Taylor, I think that probably the biggest thing for me is that prepared content is going to be incredibly important, almost a requirement, I think, in media relations, because, and the trend has already started. I think as newsrooms shrink, but digital engagement increases the demand for content, reporters really need more than just your idea for a story. They may not have time to chase it down. Okay. Christina, what do you think? Yeah. Um, first of all, I, I can bounce off of that. And hi, Taylor. Thank you for having me. <laughs> um, I um, uh, talking about um, what Kelly said about um, giving more than ideas. I, in my recent experience, um, unless I think you're a healthcare client, um, a lot of newsrooms are just sick of COVID. And um, I straight up had a reporter ask me, like, give me another angle. I'm tired of talking about this. Okay. So, um, that's, but, you know, Kelly, I know you just got, you just landed a really good story recently, but it was a healthcare client, right? And they got a big TV segment. So, you know, I guess it just depends on who your client is. But um, yeah, but um, in addition to media relations, I think uh, 2022 would be a make or break year for Facebook and a and Instagram, you know, being tied in with them. Or and now Meta, you know. Meta, thank you. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Which I will, um, I'm happy to talk about that. And um, I, I, in my opinion, I think the whole rebrand is just um, a, a distraction from the controversies that they've been facing recently with the whistleblower testimony and, um, you know, discriminatory um targeting and fake news swimming around that um, I think it's just going to just continue to hurt them and people be shifting elsewhere. We've already seen that happening on other in new social media platforms uh, rising in other areas of the web that um, some of us are not even on. So I think that's something that we just need to keep our eyes open to next year. You know, Christina, it's really interesting that you say that because we've got a local organization in Memphis who is the first that I have seen come out and say that it is ethically against their business practices to be on a platform like Facebook that is proven to racially discriminate and hurt teenagers. And so mm-hmm. they have pulled off as an ethical stance. So I saw, I think I know who you're talking about. And I thought that was a, quite a bold statement for them yeah. to do that. Yeah. So I definitely think that that trend is pointing in the right direction. Um, but what, the, what both of you raised were challenges that PR and PR professionals and communicators are going to face in 2022. So I'd like to spend the bulk of our time talking about how to address those challenges, because um, I don't want to be like your cliche middle school teacher where I'd say challenges are opportunities for growth, but I do think that they are opportunities for us to try new strategies and incorporate new tactics into our arsenal. So Kelly, talking about prepared content and media relations, what are some things that communicators and their clients can do to garner those wins? What are some new strategies to maybe try next year? 
I would start with, obviously you need more than an idea, but what supports that idea? So you'll, I would start with comprehensive sources for one thing. So I had a very good story a couple of months ago and the topic was financial in nature. So I, we had multiple clients obviously as an agency. And so I gathered together the financial advisor and the accountant And we got some nonprofits involved because they were talking about benefiting from some of these financial changes. And we were able to to send to the reporter, here's all the people that can provide all the information from every aspect of this story. We sent data, numbers, things like percentages, legal information, changes. Uh, We also lined up a lawyer for her and it, it just made it really easy for her. It was a great story. And she did chase down a couple of other sources just to, to round it out, but we were able to get her kind of 90% of the way there. So comprehensive sources for one thing, don't leave it to the reporter to do all the work. If, if you can offer them something helpful like that, obviously you want to provide a lot of newsrooms don't have the photography resources that they used to. So if you have really high quality images or videos, provide that kind of thing. And then lastly, of course, if you can prove that people want to hear this information or want to see or read it, it's more likely to get picked up. Part of the reason that I think newsrooms are, are struggling to get as much content out is because in digital media, the demand is instant. So I saw a stat a couple of years ago that it used to be that a news outlet wanted a one day lead on their competition to break a story. But now the Associated Press strives for two minutes before someone else. And so it's changed drastically. And so they have this, this urgent need for good content. So if you are pitching a story and it's already a topic that trended somewhere else, or it's related to something, or maybe you made a post about it on LinkedIn that got a ton of engagement, sharing that kind of thing or sharing your own reach is really helpful to the outlet. I had a client who, when Amazon announced its pharmacy, he's a pharmacist, he made a post on LinkedIn that went sort of viral in the pharmacy community. And we've gotten a lot of coverage of his comments because all the people are talking about it. So that's really helpful too. Okay. So what I'm hearing to kind of sum it all up is come to the table with a lot of information and then also don't be afraid to back up your ideas with your own reach because that can help. Absolutely. Right. Okay. So building that reach, Christina, may be even more challenging based on what you mentioned about Facebook. So talk with me a little bit about, you know, social media use. We still need to be there, um, Mm -hmm. but how with potential changes to Facebook, do you think folks should navigate that situation? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, Facebook is still going to be a a good communication tool. You know, a lot of, um, depending on what your industry is, a lot of your target demographics are probably most likely still going to be on there. So you still, it is still important to maintain a presence. However, don't put all your eggs in that one Facebook basket. Um, there are still other ways to reach your audiences. Um, you know, TikTok is spreading through, um, our generation now and slowly to older people. And, um, you know, there's, you know, Twitter's always looking to be there, you know, that's a very niche, um, group over there. Um, so, you know, it's, it's always just diversifying where your presence is going to be just to ensure that you maximize your reach to the targets that you want to. And, you know, people's habits are going to shift. And so you just got to be where they are and just keep a close eye on that. 
Yeah. I think with this one, it's more about not being a doomsday believer. Facebook's not (laughs) gone yet, but maybe be a doomsday prepper in making sure that you've got content on other platforms that you're building other audiences. Um, one that was, would be great. And I know Kelly, you mentioned this is LinkedIn, especially for many professional businesses may not be as good for kind of consumer facing, but, um, the three of us work on in a lot of nonprofits and kind of business to business organizations. And so LinkedIn mm-hmm. is another great option. Um, so trying to find other places to put reliable content and something that Kelly shared with us earlier this year, I think is going to be especially relevant is, not putting all of your information out through Facebook, making sure that anything that you want people to find is also on your website. Um, That can be a really helpful way so that if something were to happen to Facebook, if major changes were to happen, you've already built the habit among your consumers of going to your website. Um, So they'll continue to do that even if Facebook isn't the option for them in the future. And I would add to that, just make sure that you know who your customers or who your prospects are because there are still millions of people using Facebook billions really. And so we don't want to abandon it. We do need to keep up with it, but we also need to be aware that it's not the only game in town to Christina's point. Yeah. I think it's essential for smaller organizations, still small businesses, smaller nonprofits. I, the one organization that we were mentioning earlier, Taylor, um, they, they, I think they already have like a strong following and, you know, people, um, you know, find them on LinkedIn, as you mentioned, or, you know, they have a strong membership already. So like they have the luxury to stay away from Facebook. Um, The rest of us may not be as lucky. So we still got to leverage that still. Absolutely. All right. So we asked the team earlier this year for some additional predictions. And so I wanted to run through some of those with y'all quickly here at the end. Um, Some other things that maybe communication professionals should look out for. So Kelly, do you want to kick us off with some of those ideas? Sure. So one of the things that I feel like has changed and hello, Captain Obvious is events. And obviously pandemic really forced people to rethink events specifically. And a lot of them went virtual. And I think we're seeing a lot of those big in-person events are returning. You know, we saw music festivals have been happening and fundraisers and things like that. But I think that virtual events are not ever really going to go away. I think we're going to be looking at at least a hybrid option. I know I've personally taken advantage of telehealth for my doctors who are out of town. So I don't have to make a road trip or, you know, there might be people who maybe they really want to attend this conference, but they just do not have four days to go fly to across the country. And so having that hybrid option, I think is here to stay. I think it'll open it up to more people. It will make it more accessible to people who maybe can afford the registration for a conference, but not the hotel or the flight. And so keeping that in mind and making it available is I think going to be a long-term trend. You know, Kelly, um, as people who have small children and as a person who had a baby this year, I can say that there are a lot of things that I appreciate that I have been able to enjoy at home, like church, for example, on Sunday mornings. Um, I don't go to a large church that had virtual services prior to the pandemic. And so my church now does. And so that has been really helpful. There's not like a pressure to try to like get back into a building. Um, so even for people who are in like a time of transition or who may be feeling ill, um, 
there will be less of that urge to go out in public if you're not in the position to do so, because I think a lot of people are going to keep those options available. Right. I have three kids and somebody always has a snotty nose (laughs) or something. And so on those days when we're just not really sure, we do the same thing with church. We're, we'll watch it at home or drive through and having that option available, I think maybe benefits all of us in a lot of ways. All right, Christina, you're up. What's one that you're thinking is going to kind of stick around or okay. new? Yeah. Um, so th- this one just at the start of the pandemic just made me LOL, but the <laughs> use of QR codes, like how it just kind of like came back from the dead, um, was just, it's, it's, they're not going anywhere now, you know, they're here to stay. Um, I just remember 10 years ago, um, you know, I was living in New York at the time and that's like when QR codes came out and, um, I was down in the subway tunnel waiting and, um, for a train and there was an ad on the wall and it was like, scan this, you scan this QR code for more info. And I'm like, I'm underground. I don't have cell service. So it's like people back then just didn't get it Mm -hmm. or, you know, and it, it was just this useless technology, but lo and behold, um, come 2020, um, they just came back and, you know, we're still using it today and every day and saves people on printing paper. And, um, it's just so much more accessible and we're, it's, yeah, we're going to be sticking with them for oh, oh, quite a while. Um, Christina, I was in college when uh, the QR code thing kind of started happening. And I think the biggest change there, and I don't know, I probably shouldn't speak to this cause I don't know what the exact <laughs> timeline is, but, um, all of the sudden there was like, it was able to be done on my iPhone without an app. Like you used to have to have a QR reader. Oh, app. that's right. Yes. And so I was like, I'm not downloading that. Like yes. I just, I, this was back when, you know, there was no cloud. It was like 2011. And, mm-hmm. um, so I didn't have space on my phone cause I needed right. to have, you know, photos or probably MySpace yeah. or whatever, yeah. whatever app I was using <laughs> at the time. All my pictures, right? Yes. So um, I was like, I'm not downloading a QR reader app. But then all of a sudden, my phone camera is like, are you looking at a QR code? Um, And so Apple kind of made that integration. And then the pandemic hit. And it was like, okay, this is really easy for folks to use now. And I'm not going to lie. I really like being able to pull up the menu on my phone at a restaurant instead of having a sticky you know, laminated menu. (laughs) Um, yeah. And like you said, it can save so much on printing costs. If you want to change the special because your shipment of salmon didn't come in because we know supply chain is crazy. Um, you just make an update to your website and the QR code stays the same and you don't have to reprint 500 menus. Um, Exactly. There you go. Yeah. It's so much easier. All right, Kelly, you're up another trend over that you're anticipating for next year. Sorry, I was going to say, I think the hybrid option is for mixing age groups. My dad will not use a QR code, doesn't understand that I love it. And so I think (laughs) I really appreciate the hybrid of everything, like events, QR codes, technology. I love it. I think it's Mm -hmm. here today. So um, the, the next trend I think I see is appealing to younger people that are starting to have more buying power. And so certainly we, you know, we just talked about like my dad's a baby boomer and he doesn't like tech and I have to help him. And I'm an old millennial, I guess you would call me <laughs> the very top end of that generation. 
And so, but I'm starting to see, you know, my cousin who was born in the early 2000s and he's making some big decisions now he's in college. And so people like him and generation Z are starting to have buying power and make decisions. And they're starting to enter the workforce. You know, when we hire interns and they're like, I was born in 2000 something. I'm like, no, you aren't. <laughs> no, I was in college. No, but, you know, it's, I, I think we're starting to see the need to, to appeal to those multiple generations and those younger ones. And that's, you know, with the rise of TikTok and, and appealing to people like that. So understanding that not every member of your audience is like you, or even like anyone that you hang out with, I think is a big, important thing. There's going to be a lot more need to research. I would say to that too. Um, I have parents who are on the cusp of Gen X and baby boom. Okay. And y'all, they are on TikTok. They really love it. They love it. They send me TikToks constantly. Um, and I don't know if it's because they're new grandparents. And so there's a ton of baby content on TikTok. Um, so they send me all sorts of like baby tips and hacks, but my dad has purchased a Blackstone cooktop because he saw a dad that was his age on TikTok making fried rice and pancakes with his grandchildren. And so my dad was like, I'm going to buy this cook surface, which is not a small purchase, but he made that decision because he saw it on TikTok. So some older folks are like, no technology. Some older folks are like, I'm going to find this on TikTok. So like Kelly said, research and see your audience may be more tech savvy than you think. And meanwhile, your dad loves TikTok and I'm like, I'm too old and parental for this. <laughs> Yeah. Put some clothes on. Yes. Well, Kelly, you have having to, three daughters. You have to really work the algorithm. You got to go yeah. through a, a rough patch at the beginning until you find stuff that you like. Um, because yeah. I was like, I can't watch people do the renegade. Like that's not gonna be my TikTok. But I have since filtered it out. So now um on the rare occasion where I'm on TikTok, I see like funny jokes and um fashion tips. So all right, Christina, the last one, what are you thinking? All right. So, you know, it's been, um, you know, uh, a rough year and a half. Let's just say that. <laughs> so, um, among other things, you know, um, there's been a, a lot of conversations regarding race and diversity in this country. And so, and that's trickling into the workplace, as we know, that's no secret. So, um, organizations really do need to um, amp up their diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives. Um, and they need to, you know, not just talk the talk, but walk the walk. And, um, you know, so that is, you know, thoughtfully hiring people um, and looking beyond um, what you may be just used to. Or, you know, also, you know, you don't always have to hire um, a person of color to be your diversity ambassador, you know, hire them in, in a C-suite position, you know, they do more, you know, and <laughs> we, we do more. <laughs> so, um, it's just something, you know, everyone's going to be talking about it. Like, oh, this is why our company is different because, you know, we focus on this, but you know, are you though, like people are going to be paying attention to that. And, um, you know, political conversations are still, um, you know, happening and, um, people are, you know, looking at organizations to comment on it. So that's going to also something you have to be, um, prepared whether or not you want to respond to something, you know, there's a lot of controversies of taking 
an opinion either way. And, you know, having no opinion can also have some ramifications. So there's a lot of things you just have to be prepared about. Um, we had one client who during the, um, the recent voting law changes in Georgia um, that was going to be affecting a lot of their constituents and they wanted to speak out against it. But then we were like, well, you know, pump the brakes, like think about the ramifications of this. Yes. While we understand we support your decision, your stance on this, is that something you really want to put out because there could be some typical effects because there's always voting laws or just laws in general changing in every state of the country. And Mm -hmm. You know, if it's happening in Georgia and then it'll eventually happen in Nevada. And what are you going to do about that then? So it's going to be like, we're going to run out of seats. So, yeah. um, so just, you know, um, just be conscious, you know, about um, these decisions, but, you know, don't be skewed based on popular opinion. But, you know, these are long term decisions that will benefit you in the long run if you make the right one. And I think as PR professionals, what can sometimes be challenging on this front is that you are getting pressure from your audiences to talk about what you're doing in areas of um, corporate social responsibility, diversity, equity, and inclusion. And the truth of the situation may be that you are not doing enough. And so as PR professionals, we need to be prepared to push back if our um, executives are asking us to talk about things that are not painting a full representation of what we're doing, but also Mm -hmm. to advocate for ethical practices. You don't have to take a political stance, but hiring people of diverse backgrounds who can bring talent to your team is the right thing to do. Um, So advocating for that, if that's not already happening at your company, not just for a public relations opportunity, but because it's the right thing to do. Um, I think Mm -hmm. it's something that communication professionals will need to do moving forward. I agree. Yeah. I think there's some organizations, if I can just pick on Amazon, just because they are as big as they are. (laughs) Um, I I feel like, you know, they talk, I see commercials being like, oh yeah, this is the best place to work. And, you know, um, they changed my life and blah, blah, blah. But then we see people like, you know, getting sick in distribution centers and getting underpaid and getting cheated out of, you know, money they earn. And, you know, we see you. <laughs> I'm just going to say that. And so no matter, um, again, you know, it's just really doing what you're actually saying. Yeah. I will close with one of my favorite pieces of marketing advice <laughs> that I tell anyone who will listen, which is the best form of marketing is solid operations. Because mm-hmm. to Christina's point, you cannot lie to someone about their own experience. Mm-hmm. And so you can run all the ads and pitch all the stories about your awards, about how great your customer service is. But if I walk in and the customer service is terrible, Mm -hmm. then I'm not going to believe anything that you say. And so definitely starting at, starting at home, I would say is, is so important for everyone. Absolutely. And I think that's a good place to wrap because if you aren't doing that, maybe January 1st of 2022 could be a time that you start doing that. So Kelly and Christina, thank you so much for helping me wrap this season of Off the Rock on the record. Um, If you aren't already subscribed, you can subscribe on SoundCloud or on Apple Podcasts. Um, We will be producing another set of seasons next year. So continue to follow us. Um, Give us a five-star review if you haven't already. And we will see you next time.